0: For the past 20 years, we've had a front row seat to God doing more than we could ever imagine. Lives impacted for all eternity. Public professions of faith through baptism. Kids and adults discipled in the ways of Jesus. Campuses expanded to reach the multitudes, serving the least, the last and the lost. And now our sights are set on something bigger and bolder, something immeasurably more. Let us join God in what he is doing next.
1: Oh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today. Welcome by here at Franklin campus. Welcome online campus. We've come to worship our great God and praise God for an extra hour of sleep. We all feel rested and worship was awesome this morning and baptism and being in the Lord's presence. And welcome back to our series. We're in this awesome series called Next. And we've been talking about what is next in our lives and our spiritual journey. And so for every one of us, God's called us to take a next step and for many people we're seeing right people being baptized lives being changed and what god's been doing and stepping out and people joining the church or man people serving or people getting into small groups and growing deeper in their faith i love it there's always a next step for us to take or people praying like we're praying around the clock you know 24 7 and people praying for 30 minutes and going wow it goes so fast when I mean, you really start praying and people getting into the word it's just exciting to see what god's doing in our hearts and in our lives but also for us as a church what God is calling us to next. You know, we've been a church for 20 years. We started with 15 people in an apartment clubhouse, and God was just like, watch this, you know, and seeing lives being changed, and God bringing people from all over to join in his work, and it's been exciting. But God goes, here's the next 20 years, right? Raising up the next generation, the next ministry, the next mission, the next one who will give their lives to Christ, maybe your child, maybe your grandchild, but for us to invest in things that are going to matter the things that are going to last, the things that impact eternity. And I love being on this journey together. Now, in our series, we've been walking with this guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, what an incredible story. Man, one of my favorite books in the Bible, right? Because Nehemiah was successful. I mean, he was wealthy. He was the cupbearer to the king. You know, I mean, he was there in the Persian Empire. And he could have kicked it back. He could have said, hey, I'm just going to retire, sit back here. He's in the palace of Susa. But then he hears, his brother comes from Jerusalem, 800 miles away. It says, Jerusalem, the city of God, right? Where the temple is, it's broken down. It's not even a city anymore. It's an outpost. I mean, like the walls are down and people are making fun of it. I mean, it's in disgrace. And his heart breaks. And even though it's 800 miles, Nehemiah goes, God, use me. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. God, I just don't want to die and waste away. I want to use what you've invested in me for your name and for your glory. And so Nehemiah goes back and he joins with the people and they rally together to do something great for God. The walls had set broken down for 70 years. Nobody did anything about it. And then the people came together to do something great for God. And they started working, and sure enough, there was opposition that we saw. I mean, people coming against them, and they had to work with, you know, shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. I mean, it was, you know, tough, and they had to overcome distractions. But, man, they worked, and we saw last week in Nehemiah chapter 6, they finished the walls. Now, they hadn't set the gates in place, but, man, they got the walls done, and there was a cellar. Bracing, And so let's see today in Nehemiah chapter 7, what happens from there. Oh man, if you have a Bible with you today, open with me to Nehemiah chapter 7. If you need a Bible, there's some in the back, or maybe you've got a mobile device, you got your phone with you. You can look it up right there uh, on the Church Center app, and don't want you to miss this today. But Nehemiah chapter 7, he says, After the wall had been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place. All right, so now they've come together. They got the Walls rebuilt, now they put the huge gates, the doors are in place, and he says this, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. He's like, we got to have some worship. That's what we got to do, right? We got we to give God all the glory. We got to praise him. And I put in charge of Jerusalem, my brother I, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. And then look at this next line. I love this. He put them in charge. Why? because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Isn't that awesome? What a great line. I would have loved to forget to be said about me one day, right? Feared God more than most people do. And I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their post and some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. And I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. Okay, so what God puts in his heart is this. Hey, Nehemiah, the walls have been rebuilt. But if the people aren't worshiping me, if the people don't adhere to what I say and how God's saying I've called them to live, then this place will be a disgrace again. So not just work on the outside, but start to work on the inside. Start to work on the inside. Start to work on the hearts. And so he brings everybody together for a worship service, right? If you go into Nehemiah, chapter eight, he gets Ezra, Ezra, the the priest to come and they build a big wooden platform in the middle of the whole community. And Ezra stands up there and he reads the law to them. And Ezra, right there, Ezra reads the law at the beginning of chapter eight. And the law is the first five books of the Old Testament. All right, so you had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy called the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, right? Where God reveals his heart. God reveals how the people of God should live. And so Ezra stands up and all the people are there and he reads the entire law to them. And then in Nehemiah chapter 9, it says the Israelites confess their sins. The Israelites go, okay, God, listen, we got distracted before, right? We got caught up in all the things of this world. You know, it's just all about our houses and our fields and all this. And we, we left the, the city of God in disgrace. But But God, we want to come back to you. God, we want to return to you. God, we want to live for you and for your name and for your purpose and for your glory. And man, they just had this time of worship and dedication. It wasn't just about the outside. It was about the inside. It was about life change in the Lord and living their life for the glory of God. Now, you may remember that Nehemiah is the last book chronologically in the Old Testament. And then you have 400 years, right? And then what happens? Jesus, the Messiah. And God was preparing the people to do something great. So when Jesus comes, he goes through those walls there in Jerusalem, right? He's dedicated at the temple. The city is thriving. The people are ready. They're hungry, right? And the first coming of the Messiah. And then Jesus ultimately dies on a cross there in Jerusalem and is resurrected for you and for me. They were impacting generations for the glory of God, just like what God has called for us today. Wow. Hey, if you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to write a few things down. If you have a worship guide or if you're online and you want to pull up the Church Center Rolling Hills app there, you can go there and fill in some blanks. But look at this. Number one, Nehemiah and the people did something great for God. Nehemiah and the people did something great for God. Nehemiah didn't just go, I'm just going to kick back. Uh, God's done with me. I'm going to stay here. No, Nehemiah jumped in, right? After the wall was rebuilt, They did it. They jumped in and rebuilt the wall that set, broke it down for 70 years. They joined together. They didn't say, hey, we're just going to stay in the locker room. We're going to get on the field. We're we're not just going to stay here and go over plays. We're going to get there and actually do it. Nehemiah did what God called him to do. And I think that's so important, you know. And sometimes as as Christ followers today, it's sometimes easy to kind of go, we're gonna turn in on ourselves and and it's just gonna be about us. But God's going, no, I'm always calling you to step out, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to engage and, and watch me work through you. Watch me do something great for my glory through you. So the wall was completed in 52 days. 52 days. Can you imagine I mean, they're out there. They're picking up big stones. I mean, they're putting them out, right? And they're laying the groundwork. They're putting it together. If you go to Jerusalem today, you will see these walls, right? They're built on the same pattern. Now, they were destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Romans, but... Now they've been rebuilt, and that's the exact same pattern even Jerusalem today, 2,500 years later. This is the Western Wall, one of the most famous places in the entire world. People come from all over the world to pray at those walls. Those walls date back first temple period all the way back to David and Solomon when Solomon first built the temple. And then Nehemiah and the people got to be a part of rebuilding and still impacts people today. Jerusalem, the most important city in the world today. War still happening today over Jerusalem. Jerusalem today. It was unbelievable. And they could have kicked back and missed out on what God was doing. See, do what God has called you to do. First in salvation, right? As God draws you to himself, there comes a time when you say yes to God. There comes a time when you commit your life to follow him. Remember Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me. Come follow me. Salvation is not just Fire insurance policy, right? So we don't have to go to hell. Salvation is for us to live in Christ, to grow in Christ, to have an ongoing relationship with him, that we are saved. It is by grace that you're saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. But then there's discipleship. It's maturing in your faith. The Bible tells us work out your salvation, not work for your salvation, right? It's only God who can save you, but work out your salvation. Once you are saved to work, to serve, to live. For the glory of God. That's why James says this do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. <laughs> do what it says. Do what it says. And that's why Nehemiah was like, hey guys, let's get a little reminder here. Let's go back over the law because God's going to do something big. Look, be a person who fears God, be a person who fears God. God. Now, now, that's not like boo. Ah, you know, it's not scary of God, right? It's not Halloween, God. You know, it's like no, not that. It's a reverence. It's an awe. It's a respect. And I love that line because he was a man of integrity and feared God. He had reverence for God. He put God first in his life more than most people. Nehemiah's like, you're the one to run the city, right? You're the one I'm gonna put in charge, man. Can that be said about us? Can that be said about us? See, live your life with integrity. Integrity means that, right? Your, your walk equals your talk. I mean, integrity means that, man, people see, they go, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, you know, yeah, I go to this church, and da, 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 but, but man, do they see that lived out in your life? Is there a congruency there in your actions in the way that you live, right? It says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord, right, that reverence, that awe and respect, living my life for the glory of God, is the beginning of wisdom, And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When I put God first in my life, then I begin to make decisions because I can understand that he is sovereign over all. And so I can trust him. I can follow him. I can put my life under his sovereignty and under his grace and mercy. And then you begin to live with confidence. Live with confidence. And I think this is so important for us, especially Christ followers today. Live with confidence, knowing that God is with you and for you. When you know that God didn't even spare his own son for you in salvation, (laughs) when you know that God's going to take care of every need that you have in your life, you can live with confidence. You can go, God, my life is yours. And God, you are with me, you are for me. I'm going to live boldly for you. So what we see in Nehemiah is this is every person is essential in God's work. Every person is essential in God's work. Sometimes we think, well, I'll just kind of outsource that, right? I'll let other people do ministry. I'll let other people do it. I just, you know, kind of show up every now and then. But God's going, no, 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 no. You're essential. Nehemiah says, I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. You remember there was a wave of people that came back before Nehemiah, right? With the Zerubbabel and they rebuilt the temple, but then they didn't go on from there. But he's like, hey, I want to give those people a shout out. And so he records their names, in Nehemiah 7, he just starts to write their names down. And then he, he says, hey, get everybody here together who worked on it. Let's put their names down. Because they were a part of this. They were a part of this. It took the whole community to complete the wall. It took the whole community. You may remember in Nehemiah chapter 3, I mean, there were goldsmiths. There were perfume makers they were all working on the wall. There were dads. There were daughters, right? There were moms. There were sons. It was everybody working together. And that's the beauty of church that's the beauty of the body of christ it's about hundred percent participation that's the goal with anything with god right he wants all of us don't disqualify yourself nehemiah could have said i'm not a building contractor what do i know I, i'm a cupbearer. i'm really good at wine you're <laughs> not really good at food but, but but he's like no i'm gonna get involved i'm gonna get engaged it's a hundred percent participation now it's not equal gifts but it's equal sacrifice Right? It's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. I some people are probably really good at building walls, right? There are some people that are really good at construction of those things. But but everybody did a part, everybody jumped in. Why? Because it tells us in Nehemiah chapter 8 the joy of the Lord was their strength. The joy of the Lord was their strength. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. I don't know if you underline your Bible, if you want to go there, you can underline it, highlight it, right? Live it, right? The joy of the Lord is is your street when you join god in what he's doing there's joy there's joy when you join god in what he's doing c.s lewis one of my favorite authors he's uh just brilliant right and c.s lewis you may remember he wrote chronicles of narnia maybe you've seen the movies or you know mere christianity screw tape letters but but he was an atheist i mean he was like totally against god and he was brilliant right taught at oxford and cambridge i mean brilliant and then he knew something was missing in his life. He knew there was something empty in his life. And J.R.L. Tolkien, remember Lord of the Rings author guy, right? And he starts talking to C.S. Lewis and he starts telling about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And C.S. Lewis gives his life to Christ. He says, I was the most reluctant convert ever, because I was like always talking against God. And then all of a sudden I give my life. I realize. And and he commits his life. To Christ, he becomes this incredible teacher and author and apologist. And and then he gets to the end of his life and he writes his autobiography and he titles it this, Surprised by Joy. (laughs) He said, I didn't think the Christian life was fun. And I was living for the world and I thought that's what was gonna satisfy and yet I was empty, I was depressed, I was discouraged. And he said, when I started living for Jesus, there was a joy. See, there's a joy in my life. See, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And therefore, true joy comes in the Lord. And and so if we're looking for the things of this world, it's not going to satisfy. The true joy comes only in the Lord. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter five, you know, verse 21 through 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And so as you and I grow deeper in Christ, and that's why God keeps talking about our heart. As we grow deeper in Christ, that's where we experience joy. As we join God in what he's doing. See, they couldn't do it on their own. The people back then, I mean, rebuilding the wall, rebuilding Jerusalem, I mean, all this, they couldn't do it on their own strength. But it was the strength of the Lord. It was the strength of the Lord. And that is the beautiful part of what God did then and what God's doing even today. You know, as a church, God has called us over these past 20 years to take different steps of faith, right? And there were times when we were meeting at the you know, apartment clubhouse with 15 people. And we just said, we got to step out, right? We can't just stay here and be comfortable. Then there were times when we were in the movie theater and God's like, it's time to step out. It's time to be bold. And and every one of those times, it wasn't just about giving or money. It was about our heart. It was about trusting. It was about being faithful. See, we live in a day and a time where God doesn't, you know, call us to go out and get big stones and try to move them and spend all of our time and, and sweat and energy. We've There's laws, there's OSHA, right? There's codes, we can't do that. But God calls us the same sacrifice as the people who've gone before us. God calls us to invest. And so we've had six capital campaigns here at Rolling Hills. And every time we've seen God do immeasurably more. I mean, we could have stopped at any time and just said, no, we're gonna kick back here. And and a lot of people wouldn't even be here today. A lot of lives that wouldn't be impacted, but God keeps calling us, take a next step. I remember four years ago, we, we did this capital campaign, right, for the kingdom. And, and for the kingdom, we, we all came together and we stretched. And, and a big part of that was building a student center over here for middle school and high school students. We we're seeing all these preschool and children, and we were like, man, we've got to have a place. They're all coming up. And, and, and so we gave over and above our tithe. We stretched, right, and we put in together. And, and the beautiful part in every one of these times is Lisa and I, we pray together. <laughs> Like, okay, God, we're going to trust you, right? And, and we pray again. But then we talk to our kids. We talk to our kids. We say, hey, do you want to be involved in this? Do you want to trust? And it's been a discipleship time every time. The last time, four years ago, my youngest daughter, Kate, she was in fifth grade. And, and, and she came out and we, she, we said, we'll pray about this. And she had her commitment card and she wrote down, I want to give $300. Like, what? You're fifth grade, right? Are you sure you want to give $300? She said, yes. She goes, you know what? I'm going to be there right? I want to be a middle schooler. I'm going to be a high schooler. And I want to be a part of that. And I'm going to invite my friends to church. And so we're like, okay. And she made her commitment, you know, $300. And then about, you know, a year later, she gets her statement, you know, from the church and says, hey, thank you for your contribution, you know, and, and you still owe this amount. And she's like, $300? $300? What was I thinking? Like, you know, I, I really, you know, and we started laughing. We're like, I know, but just trust. Hold on. Just trust. And sure enough, you know, here she is in sixth grade. She starts babysitting and these things. And I remember, I got to tell you guys, it was so special. I remember it was about six months later and, and she brought into the church, you know, everybody and she gave it. She's like, I did it. I, I gave it. I did it. You know, and, and she, she paid off that $300 commitment. And now we're talking about next. And I sat down whenever I was talking with her, and, and I go, "Kate, do you realize?" Just I want to just show you what God's done. I said I, I pulled up your bank account the other day, and you've been babysitting, you've been saving, you know, your Christmas money, and I mean, I looked at your bank. You have close to thousand dollars in your bank account, and you're in ninth grade. And I said, "Do you think God's been faithful?" She goes, "Oh yeah." And she goes, "Dad, I'm excited. I want to do it again." I, mean, I just thought this is incredible. That's discipleship. That's what God has been doing in our lives. And here we are, you know, the sixth one, trusting God. Today, maybe you received a brochure when you walked in, or maybe you got one in the mail, and, and you can just kind of look through here and see what God's calling us to next, right? The next 20 years, the, the next generation, right? The next ministry, the next mission, the next one. The next one's probably your kid, your, your grandchild, or 20 years, maybe your great-grandchild, who knows, but what we're talking about as you see these renderings and you've seen them outside of looking at building a new auditorium. And, and so that way, you know, it's getting full in here. I guess you can look around and see that, you know, we already have three services on Sunday, five for Christmas Eve, five, you know, for Easter. I mean, we need some more space, but it's not just adults, right? It's kids, it's preschool, it's children. And to be able to move and build a new auditorium and having kids in here, you know, Williamson County is supposed to double in the next 20 years, right? I mean, so God's bringing people to us. And it's not just here, right? It's that our campuses are having a ministry center that we can go and help feed the poor and take care of people right in Nashville. I mean, the opportunity we have to do that together, but it's gonna take all of us. There is no doubt it's gonna take all of us. Page 19 in this brochure kind of shows you what we're looking at. There's a, there's a gift chart in here. And we're just gonna put it up on the screen. And you can look and see, you know, if we're gonna trust God in this, it's a total given over three Tax years, 23, 24, 25. You do a monthly gift. That's what Lisa and I do in 24, 25. But there's transformational gifts. There's leadership gifts. There's investment gifts. But you can see what it would take. And and we're just kind of looking at it like, wow, God, we need you. And God's like, watch this. You just trust me. You just trust me. You just put a little in my hands and watch what I'll do. I remember when I was growing up and I grew up in a great church. I'm so thankful. And I remember growing up there and being in the, kids ministry and then the student ministry and i always heard about this guy mr grantham i never got to meet mr grantham but mr grantham gave three million dollars to our church before he died he gave three million dollars. now back in the 1980s that was a lot of money okay still is right but but i mean think about that and I always wanted to thank Mr. Grantham because I had a great student ministry. I had great friends. I had guys that kept me out of getting in trouble. You know, I mean, the church saved me in so many ways, right? From making really bad decisions. And, and I'm so grateful for the people around me, the small group leaders who taught me and poured into me and invested in me. And one day I'm gonna get to heaven. and I'm gonna go, Mr. Grantham, thank you. Because <laughs> not only my life was impacted, but my marriage and my kids and my grandkids, thank you. But it's not just... Giving three million dollars right it's every one of those gifts there's a gift chart in there and if you look at the gift chart you can see i mean it takes everybody i mean even you could do ten dollars a week for two years and give a thousand dollars right or you could whatever it is you know you can do a thousand dollars a month and give almost you know fifty thousand dollars or I mean it's just amazing what you could do or 25 or 50 but for all of us just sacrificing together it tells us in the gospel of luke It says this in Luke 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Okay, that always got me a little bit. I gotta tell you, when I thought Jesus was watching what I give, right? But, But Jesus was watching there at the temple and he saw the people putting their gifts in the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Jesus, like, well done. Right? Why? Because he looks at the heart. He looked at this woman, he looked at the heart, he said, Wow, look. I mean, she's putting her faith and trust in me, and, and not just in the things of this world. She's sacrificing and she's giving. And that's, that's my prayer for all of us. I mean, as we look at our lives, we just see, maybe I can give out of my income, but I can also out of my assets. I mean, God has blessed me. I mean, maybe you watch the stock market go up and maybe you're just like, wow. Or maybe you look into your life and you look at your house and it's appreciated and you go, wow. And at some point you just go, man, do I want to say thank you? Do I want to be able to give back? I want you to hear today from Glenn and Lisa. They're in our church. And I want you to hear a little bit of their story. So watch this.
2: I don't even remember how I came across the name Rolling Hills. But somehow I did, and I said, hey clan, we're gonna check out this other one today. Alright, this this is awesome. This is we're getting great word. The teaching completely resonates.
0: The depth of worship was was super powerful. But when I heard Pastor Jeff teach, I was like, yeah! I mean this is it. And I, I worship out loud and I the combination of the worship and the word was very powerful for us, and we just said, this is our church, this is our home.
2: Giving God our best, whether it's our time, our treasures, our talents, our thoughts, work hardly as unto the Lord, not man. May everything we do, the words that we speak, the smiles, whatever, they they all leave some type of impact on people around us.
0: I think of David in Second Samuel twenty-four, when the Lord said, "Go to the threshing floor of Aruna, and you know, build me an altar there. This is where we're going to worship." And David went, and Aruna said, "You can have it." And David said, "I'm going to do nothing that doesn't cost me something."
2: Somewhere along in my journey of learning more about the Lord and and recognizing not only His call to obedience and tithing, but also His heart behind calling us to tithe in, in the offerings, um, became such a deep sense of desire to live that out for Him. It's not just something He calls me to do, but He wants me to do. And there's a blessing in doing it and, and joining Him in it.
0: I got the sense that the Lord wanted to see what was on our heart to do. And so we decided that we would actually ask Him, will you be our partner in this? Because we want this to be over and above what we tithe. We want this to be the tithe but we want this to be part of the capital campaign so completely different so Lord you're gonna to have to show up in this. And he's shown up so many times in our lives and in our whole giving story over their entire life that we knew we could trust him. So there's a lot riding on this so we're all in fully committed and we believe that God's gonna show up and help make that happen. So I think of not just campuses Campuses are good, but they're places where these people will come and they will worship and they'll worship out loud and they'll study the Word of God and they'll teach it and they'll go out and they'll make a difference. The Lord says that the earth is our inheritance. And who do we want to inherit the earth alongside of us? But those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who trusts in the Lord to do what He promises and live it out. And that literally is our heart for Rolling Hills for the next 20 years.
1: I just love that. I just love that passion. Like, this is what we want to do for the glory of God. It's every one of God's people, every generation. Even the Apostle Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians. He was writing to the people, and he says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that awesome? God loves a cheerful giver. And then I'll love verse eight. And God is able. Remember our series right before this? Our God is able. The miracles that we get to see God do. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, not all that you want, right? You know? But all that you need, God takes care of every need. You will abound in every good work. Guys, that's the journey we're on. That's what God is calling us to next. And I'm so excited about it. Next Sunday as we have that opportunity to make a commitment together. You know, I remember our very first capital campaign. We're sitting there in the movie theater. You know, we were setting up, tearing down every week, 10 different movie theaters. One theater had babies in it, right? One had toddlers crawling around on the dirty floor. You know, we put down carpets. But if you've been to the movie theater in Cool Springs, you know, right? I mean, it's like we had worship. I mean, it was a whole setup. I mean, getting there early and setting up. And then God put this warehouse on our heart. And we just said, we got to give, we got to trust. And we only had a few hundred people. And we all stretched, man. We were like, let's go our retirement. Let's do whatever it is. We are a trust that God's going to do something big. And I remember that Sunday that we all came. We had our commitment cards ready, you know, and we're going to do monthly over three years at that time. And, and we're going to commit. But I remember the kids came in first. Like we had all of our kids come from the different theaters and they came in and we had a wheelbarrow down front. And the kids came down the aisles on different places and, and they had their piggy banks in their hands and we thought you know what they're going to reach in their piggy banks and they're going to put a few coins into the wheelbarrow right but our kids your kids they came down and some of you were there and and you remember this i'll never forget it right the kids these these young i mean you know you're talking preschool children you know students who came in and they took their piggy banks and instead of putting a few coins they just took them and just dumped their entire piggy banks into the wheelbarrow and you heard the sound of the coins hitting that steel wheelbarrow, and it just reverberated throughout the theater. And we're all up there just crying. We're like, here you go, take whatever you know." We're just like, you know, because I think that was just the faith of a child. And they're laughing, they're smiling, they're so excited. And I said, I want that joy. I want that kind of life living fully for the glory of God. I'm excited about it, you guys. And what God's calling us to do next I want you to hear today from Thomas Hunter. Thomas Hunter is our board chair here at Rolling Hills. Thomas is an amazing man of God. And we've got a board of directors here at church. We've got a finance team here at church, our A6, our C3. We've got all these leaders here at church who serve. And Thomas, man, thank you for being here and talking today. And tell us a little bit about what is happening with the board and what you guys have been thinking.
3: Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, church. It's uh, awesome to see a pastor. I was teasing some of you that, the 930 service should be the leader in the campaign. So we are really trying to build out extra space for this service and for everybody in the congregation. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jeff mentioned that this is also our sixth campaign. Yeah, you so and Jessica, Jessica and I have been in the church for 18 years, and I teased you in the first service, but my favorite part of the brochure that you all have is the 2005 calendar snapshot <laughs> that has you and me and Jason Hall playing basketball. <laughs> and it captures me shooting a jump shot. And my boys have never seen me elevate off the ground as high as <laughs> I so, You remind them. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. I remember that. Um, I remember back at that first campaign, and we were there too. Mm-hmm. And I remember the coins dropping in the, wow. in the wheelbarrow. How great was that? Hmm. Jessica and I have a similar story. I remember praying with Jessica and looking at our checking account, being 25 years old and saying, we got $7,500 in our checking account, let's write a check for $5,000. And at that time, we had no idea what the Lord would do with the church. We had no idea how he would bless our family and bless our businesses. We didn't have the boys yet. We have three boys now that have come through the church, learning center, children's programming. I was backstage (laughs) and I got a text from Jessica. And she said, Jack wants to give $464. <laughs> so Jack is my Kate. How awesome is that? Guys, we're behind the same thing. We have a rule in our house that if Jeff, your senior pastor, asks, you <laughs> respond.
0: It's
3: worked for us. Mm-hmm. I challenge you guys to adopt that. As a leadership team, the leadership team consists of our board and our finance team guys the leadership team of your board your finance team are 100 behind this game mm-hmm. everyone has already made a commitment and is looking forward to partnering with the rest of you mm-hmm. to see this through mm-hmm. the staff has already come together as a staff mm-hmm. they're committed as well mm-hmm. so we've got leadership behind this we're excited to partner with everybody in the congregation and see what the lord can do here mm-hmm. uh two things that are on my heart one is this idea that the lord doesn't need our money mm-hmm. but he demands our heart mm-hmm. And we've seen blessing after blessing as a church as we've followed him, and we've responded to his call on our heart. Um, I also want to acknowledge you and your staff team. No. Church, what you don't see behind the scenes, maybe some of you, over the last 12 months, 24 months, there's been prayer, but there's also been a lot that's gone into building out a campaign. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, you and your team, mm-hmm. and Eric, Mike, mm-hmm. Michael mm. Jen mm. all the way down you guys have committed to this campaign mm. and it means a lot mm. There have been breakfasts. There have been lunches. There have mm. been dinners. There have been coffee mm.
1: There's
3: strategy sessions. There's meeting with planners city planners architects that all go into this campaign So I'd like us to acknowledge our staff mm.
1: next time. Oh, thanks All oh. oh, glory to God. Thanks, buddy It's the Lord It's the Lord mm.
3: I just encourage everybody as we come together over the next seven days, be praying about what the Lord's putting on your heart. Be praying about how you can come alongside and partner with the church. It's extremely rewarding when you're locking arms with the body of believers and moving forward in a direction that is ordained by the Father. So thank you, Jeff.
1: Thanks, Thomas. Appreciate you guys. Man, <laughs> thanks, bud. Thank you. Man, guys, we've got incredible leaders here. And um, thank you, because you're all leaders. You know, Everybody everybody. God brought you here for this time and this purpose. And God's brought us together to do something great for his name and for his glory. And I love being a part of this with you. I want to ask you just to take out the communion elements right now. You know, next Sunday when we come and we have a time to commit, and we have a time to bring our commitment card to the Lord. And I'm just going to say, would you prepare your heart this week? Would you prepare your heart? Just say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved? Right? And maybe that's talking with your spouse or talking with your kids or maybe that's you just getting on your knees and saying, okay, God, but, but prepare your heart. If you need the communion elements, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring those to you. But if you're online, you can go into the kitchen and get some bread, some wine, some great juice. But if you'll take out the bread and if you'll think just for a minute about all that God's done for you, just look back over your life. <laughs> just think back. I mean, one, Jesus, the hope that you have in Christ, that salvation, that when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, God made us alive in Christ and in Christ alone, in Christ alone. But then that he just lavished blessing after blessing on you. Jesus took the bread with his disciples back then. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and remember it to me. And then after supper, he took the cup he said, this is my blood poured out for you. My blood for your sins. <laughs> and just like the people did back then, they confessed their sins, right? Nehemiah 9. Maybe it's a time this week just to go, God, I want to get right with you. God, I want to be a man or a woman who fears you, a man or a woman of integrity because of what you've done for me. Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're a God who loves us. That you sent your only son for us, God. Now, Father, I pray right now that we would get our hearts right with you. And whatever's going on in our hearts, whatever fear, whatever worry, whatever struggle, God, we give it to you. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart, just as David prayed. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. God, you did great things to your people back 2,500 years ago. God, you did great things to those early disciples, those men and women who were passionately sold out for you. You did great things in the early church. And so Father God, I pray you would do great things today. Find us faithful to you. We say in Christ alone, we wanna live our lives and invest our lives for your name and your glory. And it's in the beautiful name, God, that we pray and that we worship right now. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.